Hello and welcome to Extraordinary Voices for Extraordinary Times, a monthly podcast brought to you by the University of Queensland Press in collaboration with the Copyright Agency Cultural Fund. My name is Ellen Van Nirvan and I'm a Malanjali writer speaking to you from the unceded Turrbal and Yagara country. Each episode, Omar Saker and I will take turns hosting this podcast and going one-on-one with a different poet. We're excited to provide a platform for poets we admire. Poetry has been what we've been turning to in these increasingly uncertain times. In Omar's words, poetry is a transformative force, a space for reckonings and for truth-telling. Each month, we invite our guest poets to write a new responsive piece in a short amount of time, while also giving ourselves the same challenge. This podcast will feature readings and conversations discussing these brand new works and how they address current issues. Today, I'm joined by Eunice Andrada. Eunice is a Filipino poet and educator. Her debut collection, Flood Damages, won the Anne Elder Award in 2018 and was a finalist for the Victorian's Premier's Literary Awards for Poetry 2019 and the Dame Mary Gilmore Award in 2019. It's one of my like favourite books of recent years. It's so good. Um, I just really like keep returning to it. I just love it. Uh, Eunice has performed her poetry in diverse international stages, including the UN Climate Change Conference in Paris and Sydney Opera House. And Eunice, I'm also like my mum, like saw you perform in a pantry in Alice Springs in 2018. I remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's so sweet. She no, that was 2016, I think. I checked with mum and she was like, oh my God, she <laughs> called me and she was like, this poet is so amazing. So actually my mom has like got dibs on like knowing your work first. Oh, um, <laughs> so, so precious. <laughs> so mom says hi. We're just such big fans of your work and very excited to hear that in this year, your poetry is going to be exhibited in the Museum of Sydney. Awesome. I'm so glad you uh, decided to say yes to this. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. I'm really happy to be doing this project with you. And likewise, I'm mutual fans. Uh, I'm a mutual fan of you and your mom as well. <laughs> <laughs> Would you please just like kick this off and read your poem for us? Sure. Uh, this poem is called Nature Heals Itself. Elephants guzzle a stash of corn wine and snore on a field in Yoinan, while this time elsewhere, La Nina begins. And in Australia, my mother's lungs fill with rain. As ministers debate over how to divide a river, I bring her meals and wash my hands for 20 seconds afterwards. Parliament debates whether or not they should mine under our supply of drinking water. I sanitize the sink with Dettol wipes, register their deliberations, her face so young behind an N95 mask. But no one questions the future of our bodies. We die so heroically, us Filipino women, our nation's infinite natural resource. The doctor comments she doesn't need a large dosage for my mother's tiny frame. At 8 p.m., 
Everyone stands on their balconies to clap for healthcare workers, their applause smattering the night with explosions, reminding the pigeons who's home. There is a leak in my mother's chest. The room is flooding. But don't worry, nature heals itself, a viral meme declares. Humans are the real virus. My mother is a test site. Researchers say they don't yet know the long-term effects of January's smoke. PM 2.5 lingering in the bloodstream, leading to heart disease, diabetes, dementia. On her nightstand, I put her inhalers in plastic Tupperware, dependable, our own futures up for debate. But the elephant story was fake. The dolphins in Venice too, their slick, shiny heads photoshopped under Mediterranean light. I forget about the microplastic in the tap water. Toast to the experiment. Take in all the air needed to float. Thank you so much. What a beautiful poem. Oh, my God. Um, I have, like, so many questions. <laughs> um, but I thought I would just, like, start and, like, to let, like, listeners know, like, like a bit of the journey of this poem like let's wind this back how did you feel when I like first got in touch with you about this project honestly so excited and incredibly moved that you thought of me as one of the poets uh, while you were shaping this project I think what excited me most was the thought of having these really amazing collaborative conversations as well as writing processes with you, because as I already mentioned, and will probably mention a million times, I'm a huge fan. And I think that was especially important because in this time of isolation, I've been really trying to reach out to communities, to my communities um, in arts, as well as beyond the arts, um, to share and connect and create together. So for me, this project has been a really special chance to continue doing that and in really great company as well. I gave you this task, like write a poem, short amount of time, um, which I'm so glad you just like jumped at because I don't think like <laughs> everyone would have. I thought like, and I, I think it mm, potentially, I'm not going to like, predict your answer but might have taken you out of your comfort zone a little bit do you want to like talk about like how you chose the topic of the poem and a little bit about the writing process I think the writing process for this poem for me I was in this writing process I was quite comfortable because over the past three months I had already been starting doing a lot of responsive writing um, so that sort of helped me get into the groove of this kind of writing process where there was a shorter turnaround, but it was still quite overwhelming to choose the topic because there were so many ideas and so many ways to approach them, as well as the news cycle has been especially relentless during this health crisis. It's and almost like there's too, there's too much to... Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's so overwhelming. Um, and I feel like a long time after this is over, we'll all still be in this shared state of trying to process the immense trauma of this time. I really wanted to use this kind of writing opportunity to, to do that, to try to process what 
my family had been going through throughout COVID, um, while also trying to make sense of what was happening outside. So um, in the end, I chose to I chose to write about my family's experience of COVID, as well as the kinds of specific targeted environmental attacks that were happening under the cover of COVID. I guess a little bit of background, because I do, um, I do reference specific moments in the poem. My asthmatic mother tested positive for COVID in mid-March, and she's since recovered, but she still struggles to breathe from time to time. And in the poem, I talk about the ways that I took care of my mother while we were in our own little uh, world because we were isolating together. I talk about the simultaneous things that were happening in the outside world, so to speak. I wanted to bring together these moments of care as well as these moments of violence. Like during this time, the true depth of so many kinds of structural violences have been revealed. Um, but I chose specifically to focus on the violence against uh, the environment and the government's very targeted attacks on the environment while everyone was cooped up in their homes. And I think I gravitated towards these issues more uh, because of the questions I've been asking myself lately, like, what is the future of the body? Like, what is the future of my mother's body after recovering from COVID? Because it's something that researchers still don't know. They don't know how contracting COVID and recovering from it will um, permanently change a body in the future. Um, as well as questions like, what are the futures for bodies that inhaled all that smoke from the bushfires this year? Again, researchers still don't know the long-term effects of that. Finally, one of the questions is, what is the future of our bodies when governments prioritize the interests of private investors and mining companies and agribusinesses instead of prioritizing providing people with clean and safe water? I just really wanted to use the, the writing of this poem as an opportunity to question that violence. As someone who was trying so hard to you know, take care of someone and make sure that they recover while also being aware that there are powers outside of my control that are completely dead set on destroying bodies and communities. A lot of things, mm. <laughs> a lot of things to take in and a lot of things to try to process in a single mm. poem. You know, all of these things I've been thinking about as well. And I feel like there's, there's not a lot of discussion that's happening it's it's as you say a lot of things have been swept up under the carpet but it's it's those two questions like what are going to be the long-term effects of COVID on the body which we don't know and um, also these you know the long-term effects of, of these bushfires I love how you brought them together in this poem and I love how you brought the real kind of intimacy of the personal looking after your your mum uh, with the political, um, which is something that you always do in your work. How is your mom? Is she going okay? She's a lot better now, mm -hmm. but um, she just gets these really intense asthma attacks that have, she's, she's over 50 years old now. She told me that these kinds of asthma attacks that have been happening lately have never happened to her before. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a little scary and uncertain at the moment. 
when we were corresponding around the drafting of our individual poems, um, you sent me an email where you were saying that you were giving yourself permission to write a messy poem. Can you explain yeah. that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I think, I guess in my writing practice, I'm a bit of a perfectionist um, almost all of the time. So I wanted to give myself permission to write a messy, sprawling, longer poem because I just wanted to be able to reflect the messiness of my emotions at the moment and how incoherent things are, as well as how messy it is in this time. This writing experience was really freeing for me in that respect, um, to be able to give myself permission to just break out of my usual kind of style. Oh my God. Yeah. I identify with that hundred percent. I think this has been like this whole COVID event has been so has affected people in so many different ways and just giving ourselves permission to, to do whatever is best for us, but also to try something new. Um, I'm sort of sounding a bit kind of new agey here, but I think, um, yeah, I've, I've been, you know, I haven't been doing the sourdough baking or <laughs> knitting or anything, but, um, because, you know, you're cooped up in a house, you sort of have to keep yourself going and, and by doing different things and trying to sort of, yeah, I try and tap into the spiritual and try and kind of listen to what this country is telling us. And I really do think that this was nature telling us, that, you know, we've got to slow down, we've got to do things differently. Corporations and governments have been doing the opposite Earlier on, these images that you mentioned in your poem of the drunk elephants, the dolphins coming back, Venice, why were they so popular? Why were people sharing these and uh, feeling so good about nature healing itself mm -hmm. as, as your title um, alludes? Why do, you, why do you think this was happening? So I was one of the people who was really excited when I saw the news that dolphin, the dolphins were in Venice, which, you know, doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, who doesn't love a really great, shareable, feel-good story that you don't have to fact-check? During that time, I think everyone needed to believe those stories for hope, and, you know, absolutely, there, you know, there are some true stories of, of ecosystems recovering um, on a micro level. You know, with stories like that, you know, there is so much to question about what lies beneath and the kinds of true environmental stories that are not getting covered. For example, uh, Rio Tinto blasting 40 Aboriginal sites under the cover of COVID, expecting no public outcry. So these corporations, they keep on going because capitalism never stops, you know, throughout this um, you know, factories full of vulnerable people in non-Western countries um, have still been endlessly churning out products mm. because demand never stops. Those are the realities behind those cutesy animal stories um, that everyone loves to share. But I mean, for a while, they did cheer me up. Is there anything good nature-wise to have come out of COVID, do you think? Well, I think a lot of in city, in like an or like in urban landscapes, a lot of animals are coming out. Yeah. Um, like a lot of a lot more birds are reclaiming cities as their domain, and 
I've just been noticing a lot of birds lately, um, especially um, in the past three months. Not so much now because um, restrictions have lifted and the roads are busy again, but I, I, I remember really enjoying seeing the birds again. Yeah, I remember there was a short period of time where the sky was less polluted, uh, clearer, and you could see birds and it, it was that little kind of glimmer of hope. Um, absolutely. Are you going to share your poem now? I am. I am. <laughs> I was trying to like find a way of being like, and now here's my poem. My turn. You, you have done it perfectly. Thank you. So my poem is called 2023. In 2023, we will not keep our reality to ourselves. There will be black people on television narrating joy instead of survival and I will rub my eyes until the vision does not leave me blind. In 2023, Etoroa and Australia host the party of all parties, the whole world watching. A 32-team competition will open doors. Our neighbours, Papua New Guinea, will qualify for the first time. Iran's national team will honour Saha Kadari in a blue strip. In 2023, no fires will burn so wildly out of control. Sacred business in the hands of First Nations practitioners. In 2023, I will go to the supermarket and fill a shopping cart of food from black businesses, knowing my Unipon's sustained country. 2023 brings me closer to the question Cave asked. Is there racism in heaven? I'm not sure yet, but I know I will rest when I'm dead. We will keep our face masks on hand. We will be taking all precautions not to piss off our planet again. The virus is around like all living things, but if we're talking about something that deliberately and callously kills, yes, police and state violence will be suppressed. And what kills us historically will make us stronger figuratively. In 2023, we will disbelieve a time when women went to jail for unpaid fines, children were handcuffed, refugees were imprisoned indefinitely. Oh, it will feel so long ago. In 2023, our politicians will reflect what this country has always been, a place of deep spirituality and respect for every little thing. The state election will be contested by two First Nations candidates. In 2023, I will turn 33, recognise my face is more like an eagle's, older and stronger. My eyes have never been so fixed. In 2023, outside Mianjin Stadium, kids are backflipping like Sammy, forward-facing the truth. In 2023, Megan Rapinoe's Ali Ship will no longer take center stage. Our Matildas have four First Nations players in the starting 11. A dramatic penalty shootout will see Australia make the final through a Lydia save and a Kaya conversion. The final will be played to 80,000 fans. They will not allow tickets to bigots. 
crowds will descend on Kathy Freeman Park and I will call my mum and say, even if we don't win the final tonight, we have won. Thank you so much. <laughs> Such a powerful piece. I remember reading that poem and having the intensity register as I was reading, but it's, you know, always so completely different having the poet read the work. So thank you. I feel like your poem is so generous with hope as well as with moments of joy. And it's poems like yours that I've been gravitating towards uh, mm. during quarantine. What made you choose these specific hopeful moments? Yeah, I think um, this poem, I know you're not a sports fan. So <laughs> no, please explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on the 25th of June, in the early hours of the morning, uh, it was announced that Australia and Etero New Zealand had joint hosting rights to the, the 2023 Women's World Cup, which mm -hmm. was like, such a big moment for like soccer fans like myself, such a big moment for like women's sport uh, and a big moment for Australia. It, the media coverage for this announcement was like huge. I wasn't really expecting it. Uh, you know, this is like the biggest sporting event Australia will host since the 2000 Olympics. It's going to be huge. There's going to be so many people that are going to come here and yeah, the world will be watching, as I say, my poem. And for the first time, there'll be 32 teams, so 32 countries. And so all of my friends were texting me saying, congratulations, this is so awesome. And I think it got the space that it did because there's been so much bad news. This was like the only good news story in miles. And people could really kind of think, you know, our 2023 things will be better then. We won't have the virus, you know, we won't. <laughs> everything will be great um we'll be able to travel like there's that kind of element of 2023 being something that we can go like we can look forward to as like a bit of a kind of beacon but I was like for this poem I was like what if I took that one step further and really went to town on being a speculative poem you know imagining a world that I want to live in where you know, people are not policed because of the colour of their skin. People are not murdered because of who they are. You know, it's something that I've been thinking about, you know, really keenly um, this month and last month. What kind of world do I want to live in? What will make me and my, you know, community feel safe? So, I, yeah, I imagined a world that had, you know, aspects of joy and, you know, not just like, being beaten down like with every death in custody with every you know time a sacred site is destroyed every time you know somebody is murdered just because of who they are you know like just not mm -hmm. having to you know there's I think there's lots of fatigue in minority communities about having to talk about these things over and over again I'm careful not to put sport on a pedestal and say that it's like the equaliser because we know it's not. But, you know, there's something really beautiful about having, you know, a lot of our Matildas players, uh, like heroes, and, and, and the Matildas was were voted. I know you don't know this, so I'm going to tell you. No, Matildas have been consistently voted 
Australia's, you know, most popular sporting team, like over the last couple of years. And we have a team that's like among all sports, all sports, man, Whoa, all sports, all genders. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so Sammy Kerr, you know, sh- she's a woman of color and she's a captain and, you know, she does these backflips. That's why I mentioned <laughs> the backflips. Every time she scores a goal, she does these like amazing oh, kind of so series cool. of backflips. <laughs> and everybody love, loves her and knows her. Um, and she's such a beautiful player. Uh, she's amazing. You know, and there's been this like this push for like equal representation and equal pay, and um, I really kind of see that like women's sport is like you know finally getting the sort of uh, recognition. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we both talk about structural violence in our poems, but we approach them from it seems like the opposite ends of the spectrum where my poem sort of wallows in uncertainty Mm. and yours just breaks through that uncertainty with so much joy and hope, which I love so much. Maybe I cheated a little bit because I was honestly, it was this poem came at the last minute because I was like, I don't know how to respond to the uncertainty of these times it's so anxiety inducing. Mm, I am just yeah. going to you know, <laughs> jump three years ahead and have solved all of our problems. Yes, please. <laughs> this year, and 2021 as well. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your writing process for this poem like? There was a couple of poems that I was reading. And I was reading uh, Tracy K. Smith's poem, Sci-Fi, and I was reading... Claudia Rankin's poem, Weather, which has just come out in the New York Times. And I liked the style of both of those poems, particularly Weather, which is like I really took some cues for, which doesn't have uh, stanzas. It's just like written in one big breath. And that's kind of what I I like took that license to write um, this poem just in one, like for it to be quite breathless and, yeah, like yours, a little bit kind of messy and, and different to the poetry that I usually write, but it also reminds me of another poem that I wrote during the COVID times that was also kind of similar in style, um, which was called The Revolution Will Not Be Zoomed. And again, it's just kind of like got that chant kind of vibe. I'm wondering how you felt after writing this poem and yeah. what kinds of emotional processes you were going through before as you were approaching the poem and where you were afterwards? Oh, that's such a good question. I felt so good finishing this. It was like, yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. like you feel like you've made a little personal breakthrough. Um, you know, I think being a kind of a writer, people expect that you still get the same catharsis from writing. But I think when you're writing in a kind of, capitalist patriarchal kind of society sometimes writing is like hard and not you don't you know get that same emotion from it but for this one I was when I finished I was like yes (laughs) so I really got something from it and so it also made me feel like you know the ancestors were being like yeah this was the right thing to do um just how I got that energy when I when I first read and then listened to your poem how did you feel when you finished yours 
I think throughout the writing process, I even though I was writing about a lot of uncertainty, I think I within myself still made space for a lot of joy. I think um, there was some joy in the writing process for me because it felt very freeing to be able to, I guess, pursue a style I don't usually pursue. Um, and as well as just being able to do this with you, uh, you know, with these phone conversations and the back and forth emails talking about our poems, which I love. Um, I think that brought a lot of joy to the process for me. Afterwards, I, I can't quite pin down how I felt after the writing of the poem, but I, I, I did feel a sense of um, catharsis as well as grounding um, because for many of us, writing is a way of figuring things out. For me, um, writing down that poem helped me feel grounded in those truths because we live in an age of gaslighting. I guess state governments are trying to make it seem like nothing happened over the past three months and that everybody should go back to the way things were, uh, which is so toxic. So I felt um, after the writing of this poem, I felt like I could be anchored to those truths. And um, it did give me more of a sense of stability in that moment and in this moment, um, in the midst of the gaslighting that we're going through. I have to do it again sometime. I have to yes, please. <laughs> I have to create another project so we can write together. Wagon, uh, the crows in the background. Um, yeah, I was wondering what that was. <laughs> they're sort of they're saying yes, Eunice, you're speaking truth. Um, <laughs> so um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for devising this amazing project. I can't wait to um, read as well as hear the next few poems from the poets. I'm, I don't even know who the poets are, so I'm really excited. Thank you for listening to Extraordinary Voices for Extraordinary Times. Don't forget to visit the UQP website, www.uqp.com.au to read all the poetry from the series and to find out more information about our featured poets. We hope you'll join us next month as Omar Seker discusses all new work with our guest, Uyang Yu. Yu.